right then, well, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, we kind of want to kind of set this up a little bit because it's a pretty long chapter. I'm going to try to make it all the way through it, but if you don't, you can read the rest of it because the ending, he kind of repeats some things. But um, in order to get an appreciation for this chapter, you really kind of have to go back and read the previous chapters. You kind of got to follow the storyline of what's been going on in Corinth. You know, we started off by saying that they was a very immature church. They was caught up on the human personality of the leaders, and uh, they was choosing one leader over the other. Then they went on, and we found out that they had gifts, but uh, at the same time, they was allowing immorality to go on in the church. You know, we saw that man was uh, sleeping with his father's wife. And so you put all that together and then have Paul to start talking about this area of marriage based on a question that he was asked, it, then you get to understanding that this question comes about because in Corinth, it was, a, it was like a metropolitan city. A lot of people came through Corinth. I mean, it was a seaport. It was just a nice area, you know. And, and, and so because all these different things, came, people came through there, then their ideas, their custom, their way of doing things also settled there. At the same time, the Greek goddess temple was there. And so therefore, these areas that we look at today and say, wow, you know, God called that sin, back then, to them, those was just part of worship. So the way God clearly defines certain things and the way they have been doing it before their relationship with God is entirely different. And so even today, you know, if we look at where we are today when it comes to what we're going to talk about, a lot of people don't see sex outside of marriage as sin. I mean, it's just, it just, it's a pleasure that God put out there for us, but they don't want to read the part that say the pleasure was for marriage. So therefore, these things go on even in today in our culture. I think we can agree to that. And so we keep that in mind and, 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 and the context that he's trying to uh, present this in, I think it'll help us as we go through this. So we, and in order to appreciate a couple of things that Paul said, you're going to have to kind of understand some things that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 31 and 32, and Matthew chapter 19, 3 through 9. And I'm just going to kind of browse over that real quick. But in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about how sacred marriage is. You know, he says, uh, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, uh, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any other reason except sexual immorality calls her to commit adultery. For whosoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, that's a tough teaching by Jesus right there. Okay, now that's a whole nother understanding, a whole nother level. But now, later on, in answering a question about marriage, when he was dealing with the, some of the Pharisees, uh, in, in chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, he says, The Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for his wife uh, for just any reason? Okay. And he answered and said, have you not read that he who made them uh, at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his wife, I mean leave his father and mother and, and be joined to his wife and the two shall 
become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Then they said to him, why then did Moses command, command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to do uh, you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whosoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So Jesus kind of made that a tight window. And, 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 and let me say this, you know, because I think it's important. Divorce is not an unforgivable sin. So if you have been divorced and you didn't follow God's guideline and all that, you just, I tell people, repent. But to t tell you to take marriage lightly and get divorced for anything, that is not what God intended. So, so today there are so many parameters that can come into why a couple can't survive and stay together. And so sometimes that's going to have to come down to you and your conviction and your spirit instead of me trying to say the letter of the law says this and I don't have all the facts. But at the same time, I will say that the institution of marriage, God holds in high esteem. And because he holds in high esteem, he wants people who enter into it to be committed enough to stay into it forever. That was his original intent. And so like the Corinthians, Today we messed that up. They messed it up back then, and probably some people are going to mess it up tomorrow. But that don't change what God's intent was. Amen? Okay, so now when we get over here to, to first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 7, he start off, you know, now regarding the question you asked me in your letter. You asked the question, I got to give you an answer. He says, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. Now, what is a celibate life? What does that mean? Anybody got a mic? Anybody got a mic? Okay. A mar uh, live a life where you tr try to abstain from sex. Amen? And, 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 uh, and normally, people do that for religious reasons. That's why you have some monks sit up on top of a mountaintop because they want to be celibate and they want to abstain from anything that will violate them. And so therefore they can do that. That's why priests in the Catholic Church take a vow of celibacy, and they don't get married. Nuns take a vow of celibacy, okay? But, but, and they may have gotten that from what Paul is going to say here tonight, because when we listen to what Paul say, it's going to look like Paul think, man, if you got a call from Jesus, you can better carry out that call if you were single. But if you got to get married, Go ahead. But at the end, he keep making that point over and over. So I think Paul was, Paul was so caught up in what God called him to do, he wanted everybody to kind of have that same fire, that same zeal. And he felt like sometimes families bring on a lot of extra stuff that could keep you from doing something that God has called you to do. Now, he was not, we're going to see tonight, he was not writing the command to say everybody got to stay this uh, uh, single and never get married because that would go against God's command. God wants us to get married. Well, 
that would go against God's plan. Let me say this. God never commanded that everybody got to get married. That marriage was a choice. He just created the institution, and once he created that institution, he expected those who enter into the institution to live in accordance with his expectation. That makes sense so far? He said, now look, verse 2, he says, because there's so much sexual immorality, each of you should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. If you, all that is going on in Corinth, man, there's so much, man, there's just sex flying everywhere in Corinth. And because sex is just flying everywhere all over Corinth, you know, he'll say, look here. If y'all, if you can't refrain, just don't get married. At least, at least do what God expected you to do when you start entering into that phase of life. Is, is everybody following that? So, so, so now look here. He says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and his wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Now, if you are married, this is the, the conversation that you ought to be having with your wife or your husband. You have to define what their needs are in this area. Amen. And for everybody, it ain't no cookie cutter. So what your wife or the next person's wife or the next husband require, if y'all agree that this is what the needs are and you define them, then when it's time to take care of the needs, you got to take care of the needs. You can't let the basketball game get in the way of the needs. Amen. You, you can't let, I, I just don't feel like it, get away in the knees. So I, sometimes when I counsel a couple, I say, this is so serious. You know, until you get a rhythm, y'all may have to schedule this so that everybody know this night is what we're going to do. And we come in with our minds set on that all day. Because we know, I mean, our minds set on it because the intent is that we're going to meet some needs. And, and if I ain't been thinking about it all day, then now I may go in and don't meet expectation. Because the intent is to meet. Y'all get quiet right there. I'm, I'm just trying to help somebody. You know, because, that, because this area caused a lot of problems in marriage because people don't understand how God see this, and then now they allow their feelings to get in the way and don't ask their husband or wife, hey, what is your need? What do you need from me during this time? And whatever that need is, man, and you in your bedroom is your kingdom. Amen. 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 I'm not going to come in and say, no, that need, no that, you, that, that's your need. Now, y'all got a smile on your favorite. Let me go on. Let me go on. Because he said it, it's responsible. You got to fulfill your husband's need or you got to fulfill your wife. Not her wants, her needs. She got some needs. He got some needs. And see, what happens is, is that it used to be a time, since we're adults in here, it was always assumed that most men was the hypersex one. But sometimes women are just as hypersex as men. I mean, like, you know. So you may have to come up with a schedule that, that your wife may say, hey, two times a week ain't it. We need to step it up. And if that's her need, you got to come to the game four times a week. <laughs> Y'all, we're adults in here. Oh, we got some kids, but they don't know what we're talking about. But, 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 Sister Lisa, go ahead. You got a question. She got a question. 
Get a mic. Get a mic. If I got a question. When God designed that, was it ever stated in the Bible that it was a type of worship between a husband and wife? He didn't call it a worship, okay. but what he did call it was a coming together as one. Okay. Now, we can say it, make that worship, because what is happening there is based upon how God created man and woman. He said when those two come back together, they become one again. In the, in the beginning, when he created them, the Bible said he created them male and female. He created them in the spirit. They was one in the spirit. Then from that, he formed Adam, but he didn't take Eve from another mound of dirt. He took Eve out of Adam. So in essence, she came out of him, and when people get married and reunite, that oneness come back together. So, that, that, so, so sex is really just as much spiritual as it is physical. And so often we get caught up in the physical side of it, and we don't understand the spiritual implications when you start having sex with too many people. Did that make any sense? Okay, so, 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 verse 4, he says. Hold, hold on, Pastor, can I get in? Go, yeah, brother, Anthony, get in. Okay. Get in where you fit you, in. You're supposed to be telling us about your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh -huh. right? So how are we going to take our temple and get with the harlot? God That's what forbid. he said last week. God forbid. That's what he said so last we, week. we're tying it together with you. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, most of us, now, let, we can't all sit in here and play super holy tonight. Mo most, of all, most, of, most of us got hooked up with something before we, got well, before we got married. We didn't know what our body was for, you know, like God, from God's point of view. We just knew that physical side of it. And so, therefore, we, when we learn the truth of God's word, we have to try to live with that. Brother Herb? Yes, I, I was, excuse <clears throat> me. It's so important when you say that uh, the two need to get together. And one of the things that, uh, that I had studied, uh, it came out saying uh, there's three things that, about a relationship. Communication, sex, and money mm -hmm. cause issues in a relationship. If you don't get together, and know how to communicate, and at the same time, it comes to that sex thing. So the importance of, like you mentioned before, of when two comes together, they should get together to, to know how to communicate with each other and also to discuss the things about sexuality of, of their relationship. So it is, it is important, and that's why we, it mentioned so much into what we studying in the word. Amen. So I'm just emphasizing this is important that the, the two get together to communicate and Amen. discuss about this sex thing. Absolutely. I mean, and, and sometimes I think we think it's just going to automatically happen and we don't, don't have that conversation. And what happens then, then one party needs go unmet. And so when needs go unmet, that's frustration. You know, I used to tell people when I was teaching marriage classes that, you know, in old school they say, you know, Men are visual. 
We can be watching a basketball game, and you can walk by with some shorts on, and we'll forget about the game in five minutes. Let's but ladies are not always visual. Sometimes you got to be emotional, get into their emotional area, and, 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 and meet their emotional need before you try to go and meet the physical need. Because when you don't meet the whole need, then one party feels unfulfilled. And so, well, so what he says here, now look, this is, this is tough right here. He says, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Wow. Now, last chapter we said your body belonged to God in the spirit. But in the physical, <laughs> you, belong, <laughs> you belong to your husband or your wife. And you give them authority. I know that don't go well today, but that's what the Bible says. So if, now if you give them authority, that means when it comes to this area of relationship, then they got to say so. Both of y'all got to say so. And so that's why it's so important for you to communicate these things out. Because verse 5 let us know, if you don't, then somebody will deprive the other person. Now look at this. He says, do not deprive each other of sexual relationship unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a lim lim limited time. Lim limited time. Now I don't know how y'all define limited in y'all relationship, but you know you just can't cut each other off for a month. I don't think that's, a, that's the game plan. He just said limited time so you can give yourself more complete to prayer, however long it takes you to pray. If you're going to be praying for a week or whatever, he just give your time to the things of God. That's the point he's trying to make. And then he said, now look, and afterward you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So you can't use your body as a weapon in your relationship. You get mad at your wife, and all of a sudden now you figure you're just gonna, you're gonna freeze up. You know the night Wednesday, and it's, it, and it's, you know, it's that night. She been thinking about that night all day, but you mad. And so now you're gonna go home and just sit there and watch the game, and they're gonna say, I ain't got time, but you messing up. <laughs> get a mic, mate. It says, it says, uh, deprive. That's not refusal. So if you're not sex starved, just because she says no right now, so you've already come together and you said, okay, you're going to meet my needs. Well, even though your needs may be greater than mine, we've already came together and we talked, I'm going to meet your need. Not, and you said, not all your wants. So if I say, hey, I'm watching the game right now. That's not deprivation. That's just refusal right now. So, so if, I'm not, if, if, if she is not sex-starving me and I'm not sex-starving her, then okay, refusal is it's not the same. He says deprive. I understand that, mate. But, and, and he said for a limited time. So deprived is like when you withhold something that belongs to somebody else and you deprive them of the right to access to it. 
And so therefore now, if y'all got an agreement, though, that's why I went back and said earlier, yeah. you got to have an agreement. A if an agreement. So needs, meet my needs. Not, not, okay, I want it right now. Well, that's not what we talked about. That, that's not what we discussed. And just because, like, she says no or he says no at that particular time, that's not an excuse to say, well, your body belongs to me. You said that. You gave me your body. Well, it may be. Come like now, let's go back to what, what Brother Herbert said earlier. Now, you know, you got you to gotta understand that you can't define someone else's need. So now, if y'all don't sit down and wrote out in concrete that, hey, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when we're going to take care of this. And it's agreed. Okay, if she got a headache, maybe I don't think he's talking about headaches now. He's talking about if you got a headache every day. Maybe get your mind. That's acceptable. I think that's acceptable. Change the plan. Right, right. Just because we said Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Wednesday comes. And I'm all excited. And then she says, I know it's Wednesday, but, bruh, I mean, I just, I. Then I think. I, I, I brought home the flowers, Pastor. I, I, got, I got the music playing. The TV is off. She said, bro, I don't, I don't feel like it. That's not a reason for me to get upset. No, if, if, she, got a, if she got a legitimate reason, hey, look. Long day, my head. I'm really the head is really hurting this time. This ain't that. This ain't that headache that I just make up. This the head is really hurting. I'm I'm really ill right now. But but I think maybe you always go to the extremes. I'm talking about y'all to sit down and agree. Y'all know that this is a part of the relationship. But you know sometimes her just may not be feeling right then. You know, and you got to find out why is it that you're not wanting to do this that we agreed to. And it may be something you did, or it may be something that happened at the job today, and I'm, I'm just not emotionally ready for that right now. My mind is on. You got to be understanding. I think it that's. Says, it says limited. Limited. You got to define that. Right. Major, I, I'm pretty sure limited ought to at least give her one day. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying. I mean, go ahead, brother. <laughs> I think also that having an understanding about sex and, and, and what it actually uh, represents. And I think that once you have an understanding of sexual uh, understanding about when two people come together, that is the closest thing that God has built for a man and a woman to do to experience an intimate relationship with one another. Amen. And it no, no more than uh, it's the closest having that intimate relationship with God. And that you were able, in sex, you're able to accomplish that through sex. And if you have the understanding, then it's, it's at to the point then, to me, it goes beyond, you can talk about needs in a sense, is it, when I say needs, I'm pretty much, what that relates to me is pretty much, am I lusting for myself, for what I want? Or is it a neutral understanding when that need of having that intimate relationship to come together? So I have to make a difference of what it sexually means, is that, hey, 
all of a sudden, I feel like, hey, I, I, I don't put it in my mind. I want to be. I want to dress down my wom my woman. I'm ready to get it on. And is, is she coming to my knee? That's to me. That's close to being fleshly, and lust. Instead of sex or having that that intimate relationship with like God to have Him in my life, that I need Him at this point to have that relationship with her. And so I have to have an understanding, and that's what the communication to that's, me. And that's, is that's, that's just what I was going to say. That's the, the, everything got to be communicated. <laughs> Pastor. But, but the relationship. Pastor, he, he's trying to help somebody out. I, I, I where, where it's not a time, it may not be based off of a time system, Monday at 3 o'clock, Wednesday at this time. That may work for some people, but for some people, that, yeah, you can't get stuck on a contract. Then you'd be like what Major said. <laughs> he looking forward to a Wednesday with flowers and music. And he said, hey, you, you, this is what we agreed to. And it's like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? So there's a maturity that has to come along with that to Amen. where you have a relationship to where there's a desire on both for both people to come together, and then Amen. you don't have that where you're so stuck on a contract and a timetable, and someone's upset when you can't meet that exact date and time. Amen. And, and that's why I say, you know, when you talk about your relationship, that's that's why this conversation got to take place because then Peter he tells the husband, you got to live with your wife with understanding. You got to understand her, you know, and he tells the woman that you know how. She is supposed to uh, uh, be submissive to her husband, you know, like Sarah was to Abraham. But that don't mean a slave. I talked about that on Sunday. But I think Brother Herb is exactly right. All this can be worked out with communication. Now, the reason, if, you know, I don't think no man ought to be so driven that if he feel like his wife just, hey, man, I'm just not emotional with you tonight, bro. And rather than, you know, going through the motions, faking it, let's not do it. Because I ain't even there. And you got to say, okay, baby, because I love you and I understand, like Brother Herb say, this is more than just a fleshly connection here. This is some spirit that's taking place here. I don't want to be come out of this and I'm upset. So it's good to have that understanding. And I think, you know, conversation can solve a lot of those things. And I'm not saying everything's going to be a cookie cutter Monday, Wednesday, Friday type thing, because I do think there ought to be some spontaneousness in there. You know, some, yeah, you, you know, y'all look at each other and all of a sudden, boom, light bulbs go off. Okay, yeah, let's stop what we're doing now. So, Lisa, go ahead. You got the mic? How do separation and divorce fit into this? Am I still entitled to this man even though we don't live together? And he's my husband? Okay. I mean, because I need clarification on that. Yeah, you, yeah, I don't know. I, the Lord got to give clarification. So you say, yeah, legally. Am I still now, submissive to him? In, God, in God's eyes, legally, you all are still. Married. married, okay. Now, for whatever reason, y'all separated, estranged, and all that. And I think that if you feel like, and I don't think there's no biblical answer to that, but if you're estranged from your husband or your wife, mm -hmm. you're estranged for a reason. Okay. I mean, some ain't right. Uh-huh. And so if you were my daughter and she was estranged from her husband because he couldn't afford something like that, I wouldn't say, don't let him treat you like a prostitute. Amen. 
come and drop in on Tuesday, and then he gone on Wednesday, and you don't know where at now. No. I, I, I know, no, this ain't going to be no spiritual thing. That herb, that's just flesh right there. Ain't no spirit about that. If he's spiritual, he'll stay here. I mean, we wouldn't be estranged <laughs> if we were doing it God's way. So, so again, I'm just, like Paul, it fits right in. I am saying this by concession, meaning that I don't have a scripture to back up what I just said. But I think it makes sense. Now, whether you follow that is on you. Now, look at this. Look what he says. I want to see, say, read this real quick. Verse 6. He says, I say this as concession, not as a command, what he just told them. But I wish everyone was single, just as I am. But God gives me, give to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. So he sees marriage and singleness as a gift from God. And if God gifted you with that, you live in your gift until he gives you another gift. If, he, if you know you're gifted to be married, then you get married. And so based on that, I guess that's why monks or priests can say, hey, that's, this is what God has gifted me, so therefore I take this vow of celibacy, and, we, and they vow to live like that. Okay? Now look at verse 8. He says, so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. Paul wanted, man, Paul wanted, all through this letter, he goes, keeps saying, he wanted everybody like him, but he realized everybody going to be like him. Paul was a unique guy. I mean, he was so locked in on what God called him to do, it was like he was saying, man, anything that, that distracted him, he didn't want to be distracted from the call of God on his life. But he'll come back later and say, hey, everybody ain't like me. And he understood that. But he was just speaking from his heart, man. He said, man, it'll be... If everybody was like me, it might be a little bit easier, but then we wouldn't be fulfilling God's command to, you know, get not command, but desire to get married and procreate. I mean, you, if everybody stayed like Paul, you know, wouldn't be no procreation. Because that's one of the, the results of coming together as one, we create another. Brother Her? But you got to understand, well, understand this, that once you taste uh, sex, that's nothing, nothing like that. It's, it's something special, an experience, when you go there. It's nothing like it. And when you taste that, and that's why he said it's best to stay away. Like it's an aphrodisiac. Huh? Whoa. <laughs> nothing like it. And, and, and you can see brother, that. Brother Herb says sex is a drug. <laughs> that, that, that's what he said. Like, ain't you taste nothing it, like it. Once you get that. It's nothing like it. That high. It's nothing like it. Ain't nothing like it, brother. Uh, ain't nothing. nothing <laughs> brother like Herb shaking his head. So he said he know that for a fact. He said So let me read on. Let me read on. And so that's why, that's why I say if you, if you know it ain't nothing like it, that's why he come back and say, hey, if you know that, then you need to get get married. He ain't say stop it. He just say get. He said, now look, in, 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 uh, but let me read verse 8 again in, in verse 9. He says, so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if you can't control, if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. 
because it's better to marry than to burn in lust. Brother Herb, you just hit down the head. I mean, you done tasted it. You're burning. <laughs> and you know you can't put the fire out. So he said, look at your solution. You need to go find your wife. Y'all agree with that? That we said. <laughs> Let me read on that. That was done pretty good, brother. You're right on time right there. Let me look at this. He says, now, but for those who are married, now he kind of shifting a little bit. I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. This kind of go back to what we read early on to set this up. A wife must not leave her husband. Now, we read earlier what Jesus said about leaving your, your husband or your wife. Okay, not just for anything. You got to have good ground. And today, those grounds can be varied. You know, here he only talked about fornication and, 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 and sexual morality. But I do believe in today's time, you can, accuse, uh, you can include all type of abuses that you may come in. You may have a husband who may not be cheating on you, but he beating you half to death every week. You know, and, 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 and those things. And I think those things have to be taken in consideration. And then you're, if you save, you ought to be praying to the Lord and asking him for guidance in what you ought to do. So I'm not going to stand here and say, hey, you stay with some abusive guy. You know, no, you just got to understand that God see marriage as being very serious, and if it's time to end it, then you need to make sure you hear from God. Okay? He says now, so he says, the wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. So he's saying now, if you do separate for a little time, Lisa, like you said, it's strange, you ain't got to divorce him right away. You know, he doesn't abandon you. But if he decides to reconcile and you accept him back, you can do that. You can forgive him. But if he done violated one of these scriptures and he done went out there and sleeping with Sally Mae, you ain't got to reconcile that unless you just want to. You can say, hey, like Brother Herb say, you, you, done, you done killed this fire, buddy. <laughs> it, it's gone. <laughs> Not for you. I'm just trying to make, keep it simple. But because I think, when we, like Brother Herbert said, when we understand how God sees this, then we won't take it lightly. Even though we're brought up in a culture now where sex sells. I mean, you see it in commercials. You see it on everything. Now, man, people are very sexy just to sell you know, you add on TV about something. You don't have to look that good to sell a hamburger. You know, and, and so what I'm telling you is that because of that, when people get married and they don't understand how God intended for this to play out, they bring that same mindset into the relationship. And then, like I say, sometimes when we don't know, you know, people end up in the relationship when, when it possibly they may have been able to salvage their relationship, but because sometimes I think some people do throw in the towel too soon. When there's no justifiable, I mean, Jesus gave us justification. But that's up to that individual. Everybody got to know, because most people know really what goes on behind the scenes in their relationship. People on the outside looking in really don't have a clue for what, what people are going through. But I do think we have to always say on the front end, if we will make people see how important marriage is to God on the front end, maybe more people won't just haul off and go get married without sitting down thinking about it. 
and thinking that, hey, this is how God sees this, and is, is this something I'm really, really, really finna commit to for the rest of my life? And I'm going to try to play the game by the rules that God has established and not by the rules that we bring into the game without sitting down and going through some type of counseling and getting a clear understanding of what we're entering into. He says now, he said, but let me read verse 10, 11 again, he says, but those who are married, I have a command that does not come from the Lord, come from me, but the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, and if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him, and the husband must not leave his wife. Now, in verse 12, now I speak to the rest of you. So it looked like he was talking to a certain group of people that are married a couple, now he's transitioning, kind of talking to the group. Though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a Christian man has a wife who is not a believer, a believer, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. So if you're married to someone, Christian man, and again, I told you on Sunday, this was because in Corinth, a lot of people were getting married after they got saved or they came into the relationship, both of them was kind of heathen, and then therefore one of them got saved. And he said, now, once you're in that union and you get saved, God still see marriage as his institution that he created. And he wants you to stay in that union if, it, if it's all possible. He said, now look in verse 30. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave because of he just ain't a believer yet. Because now he tells us later that the obligation is for the same person to try to influence their, 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 their spouse in order to get them to become a believer. Especially if they got kids, you want to have influence over the kids. That's why... You know, in, 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 in other religions, in the Catholic Church, they see marriage and kids real serious. You know, in the Catholic Church, sometimes you got to, they almost demand that you marry another Catholic. And if you do marry someone who's not a Catholic, you have to make agreement that you're going to raise the kids Catholic. That's just how serious they see that when it comes to these relationships. And, and, and then, that's why in the Catholic Church, because they see this coming together so serious, they have what we call annulments of marriages. And annulments was a, their way of getting around what Jesus said about if you d divorce them, now you cause that person to sin. So what they say, we're going to act like the marriage never existed. So therefore, we're going to annul it. And by annulling it now, you're not sinning because it never existed. And so now you can go out and remarry. But there are people in the church who didn't get their marriage or no, got divorced, and sometimes they get excommunicated. Pastor, is that from, from 10 to 11, he's talking to believers. Mm -hmm. And he also, he said, this is, not from, this is not from me. This is from the Lord I got. This is, is that, we are bound on that? As, as a command, because he said, this is what the Lord says about believers are married. And that goes back to what Jesus said. We read it in very five. first in okay. Matthew. When so, Jesus, go ahead. And so this other, when he comes and said, I'm, not, I'm speaking not on, on the Lord, I'm speaking 
with wisdom what he's passing on to you. So we're not bound to this, what he's saying. He's suggesting with wisdom what we should do. Is that how Amen. you, you should look at how, how that's he's... That's right. In, okay. certain, in certain places in here, he's making it clear that, hey, this is my good sound wisdom based upon what I know about the Lord. However, you don't have to follow this in some places. But in some places, he said, hey, this is what the Lord said. Okay. Okay. Now, verse 13, he says, and if it, I think I read that, right? Yeah, okay. Verse 14. For the Christian wife bring holiness to her marriage, and the Christian husband bring holiness to, their, to his marriage. Otherwise, your children, I think this is where the Catholic get that from, will not be holy, but they are, but now they are holy. So I think that's why they demand, hey, one of you, you know, if you marry someone that's a non-believer, then therefore when you, when you have children, you've got to raise them Catholic. Now that's why a lot of cultures, they have arranged marriages because they want people to marry of the same faith and the same belief. And sometimes when children go outside of those arranged marriages, meaning that some, in some cultures, parents pick their spouse, pick the husband or the wife, and they come in agreement before the children even have a say-so in it. Now, we don't do that in America. It don't play out like that here. But in some cultures, they still do that. And so when those type of commitments are made, those children are obligated to fulfill that commitment based upon what their parents have did. Now, I don't see that playing in, in Christian culture, but it may, you know, it may be in some cultures, but I know in, in, in some of the, like in India and some countries like that, they do really believe in those arranged marriages. That dog wouldn't hunt here in America. But I think if some of us listen to our parents before we go hauling off and getting married, we, we probably have a better relationship because parents sometimes see something you don't see. But, but our kids today wouldn't let, wouldn't let us arrange that for them. They, they just wouldn't go for that. If you got a kid that let them let you arrange, go ahead and pick their husband right now, I don't think they'd go hunt. But if we were brought up and everybody did that, then that would be part of the, the way life has played out. He said, now look, verse 15. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, we said this on Sunday, let them go. In such a case, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. You know, and that's, that's, that's the end game. God wants you to live in peace. He don't want you to live with somebody that don't want to be with you. You know, so you can't make somebody stay with you. So if they abandon you, he said, hey, let them, let them go. Then he goes on and says, now look, verse 16, don't you wives realize that your husband might be saved because of you? And don't you husband realize that your wives may be saved because of you? Your influence, your honorable lifestyle is enough to influence a, a non-believer. At worst case, as long as that non-believer allow you to worship and practice your faith, you know, and don't try to keep you from coming to church or worshiping God however the Lord leads you, the worst case, you're married to a person that you got an understanding with, treating you right, ain't beating you up, you know, he just don't want to come to church. She just don't want to come to church. And, and, and that's the worst case. But the best case is someday they may decide to give their life to the Lord. And, and so I, I think that, that, that he's seeing that it could be a win-win, but as long as that person is not trying to pull you away from your faith. You know? Now, I have seen pe uh, people of mixed faith marry 
And they, and they got some nice marriages. I mean, beautiful marriages. I mean, you know, like a person who's in the Jewish faith married someone who's a Christian or another faith, and they got an understanding, and they seem to make those marriages work. You know, but I think that we don't always take faith in consideration when we are looking for a wife or a husband, and I think we should. We should have that as a criteria. What does this person believe when it comes to God? And sometimes we don't ask those things. We find out that we marry someone that got all kind of belief system that may conflict with something that you believe in. Now, uh, verse 17 through 19 says, look. He says, each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you. And remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. Now, what he's saying there, he's not telling us that when, when God called you and you was a sinner and you just stay a sinner. That, that ain't what he's talking about. He ain't saying remain a sinner because we know that don't, that's not what God is all about, leaving us in a state of sin. But what Paul is saying is that sometimes when we come to the Lord, we come with other things going on in our lives that we may not need to get rid of. You get saved, Major, and you're a police officer. Just because you get saved and accept Christ, God is not expecting you to resign from the force unless you get a conviction in your heart that, hey, the force don't line up with me, but God is not going to command, hey, you got to quit your job because you ain't got something. But if your spirit convict you, your conscience convict you that your job may be something that go against what you, something you seriously believe by God, then you may have to. But if it's, God is not saying, stop what you're doing. If you, if you enjoying your job as a police officer and you got saved, be a police officer that can save other police officers, cooks, a chef, whatever it is you do. Okay? Now, there may be some jobs out there that you may look at and say, well, should this person keep doing that? That's what I'm going to say to you. Then that's that person conscious that got to come and deal with them. We're not to try to get there and judge them and say, okay, well, being a police officer, a major going to beat folk down. Now he's going to jump on me because I'm a bartender. And major just beat a brother half to death last week, and, and he said he loved Jesus. Then he's going to come and get at me because, you know, I, I served him the legal limits of shots that he could have. He couldn't have a two. I gave him a two. That's what the law said. Now major want me to quit my job. And he just beat the brother to death all month. So, so what I'm trying to say is that when we come to the Lord, he is not expecting us to abandon everything that we do that don't conflict with the word. But he do expect us to make changes on the inside. And as we make those changes in our spirit, in our inner man, then it will have an impact on the outer man and the outer woman. So it looked like some people thought that, well, once I got to get saved, I got to stop doing everything I'm doing. That, that's not what he was trying to get them to see here. Uh-huh. Okay, say like the drug dealer gets saved, but then he still got the stripper girlfriend. Is that the same thing? <laughs> I mean, I'm just asking. Let me try to process what you just said. <laughs> the drug dealer. I got you. The, the drug dealer, he was selling drugs, which uh -huh. is illegal. If illegal, he, was he illegal. got saved. Yeah, you saved. So, so, so he should stop selling drugs. We agree to that. Right. He done, he done with that, but he still got the stripper on the pole. Girlfriend. 
I think, I think the Lord will have to deal with him on that too because he, if he done got saved and he probably still sleeping with the stripper, right. then he probably need to marry the stripper okay. and get off the pole. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. He probably have influence on her. He, he ought to marry her. If okay. he's still, because he's burning for her. Uh-huh. So he need to go ahead and, and marry. marry her and then convince her, hey, baby, you know, no woman of mine going to be on the pole. Since you gave me that hypothetical. Now, that ain't in the Bible. That, 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 that is just my best reasoning trying to answer the question that you asked me. Adrian, I see you. You going to help me out? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Y'all leave Pastor up here to swim by itself tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. He says, now, uh, he said, verse 18, for instance, a man who was circumcised, kind of go back to those things that separate the church and use that as an example. A man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not become circumcised. For it makes no difference whether a man has been circumcised or not. The important thing is that he keeps God's commandments. So it's important that something change in your heart. Don't go back and try to change something on the outer man, a physical change when your internal man ain't changed. He's saying that, hey, that is not what God is looking for. That's why the Bible said we have to be circumcised in our heart. And that's what God is looking for now. That, and so therefore, this may have been one of those reasons that when they was dealing with the, uh, the Greeks, they kind of looked down on people who had been circumcised, and so therefore some of the Jews felt like, hey, if I want to be a part of that culture, I need to figure, can I reverse this? And then on the other side, when the Judaizers came to town, you know, when Paul got into them, they felt like, hey, if you weren't circumcised, you, you got to be a Christian. You know, to be a Christian, you got to become a Jew first before you can become a Christian. And that's when Paul said, hey, you know, that was the big argument was about uh, uh, in Acts chapter 15 or 16 where they had that big argument about how the Gentiles should be brought into the faith. Okay, Brother Herb? But then also, you got to understand, if you had a more understanding to about what, what the circumcision was about, when it first came about, it was between God and, and Abraham. Mm -hmm. It was a covenant between him and, and God and what his offspring was going to look like. Uh, uh, so it was a covenant between Abraham and God about circumcision. And when, when it comes to where uh, we've been saved through Jesus Christ, circumcision didn't have nothing to do with our change in our heart, who That's we right. are. And so if you have an understanding of that, then you don't want to be kind of reverse that. Amen. And that's most of them was trying to say, hey, you need to be circumcised. No, it ain't had nothing to do with this when, uh, when God have changed you over to his family. Amen. Amen. In verse 20, let me read on. He said, now look, yes, each one of you should remain as you were when God called you. Verse 21, are, are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance uh, to be free, take it. In other words, we know during this time, cultural, uh, uh, we will kind of look at this as a job where you're working for somebody and, you know, you got to have a job. Back then, the Romans did enslave people. You know, slaves were common. 
Sometimes this word slave also just means you was a domestic servant. But the, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he told them, hey, you know, if you are in that position, you serve, you know, as unto the Lord. But if you're serving someone who's saved, they should be treating you like a brother or a sister and not like a slave. Okay. So, so sometimes people take these scriptures like this, these passages here to justify, you know, putting people in bondage as, as was practiced hundreds of years ago. It says, verse 22, and remember, if you were a slave then when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave for Christ. In other words, that's talking about now we become him. You know, we try to put aside all our old nature, our sin, and we subject ourselves to Jesus, you know. Uh, look here, and then he's, this is something he said that kind of matches with what was said in the previous chapter. He says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. And that's what he's trying to get him to say. Now, look, you guys are allowing more worldly things to come in and, and, and keep you in bondage instead of you walking in the freedom that God has given you. So he kind of broadened this discussion. Then he says, now look, verse 24, each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now, again, that ain't talking about a sinner. He's talking about like if you were doing some things that has nothing to do with sin, he, want, he called us out of darkness to the light. Okay, so, 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 so we have the capacity and, and, and whatever station in life we was at when God called us, if that profession is not dishonorable and, we, and our spirit don't convict us, then Paul said, hey, don't go and quit your job just because you got saved today. But if your job is something that you know conflict with your spirit and, and you feel like the God, Lord, is Lord is telling you quit, then you got to believe that if you walk by faith, he's going to have another job for you. But that ain't what this pastor is trying to get us to see. He says, now, verse 25, go back to another question. Now regarding your question about young women who are not yet married. He says, I don't have a command from the Lord for them. But the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And I will share it with you. Now he's saying like y'all asking me this question about young women in marriage. And he's saying, based on the certain climate that we're in right now, he's going to try to answer that based upon where they are at that time. And, and, and so look how he answered it. And you got to keep this in context because he's not talking to every young woman in every place. He said, based upon your current situation where you are now and the persecution that I believe is coming, since you asked me this question, I'm going to tell you, you may not want to go that route knowing what's ahead of you. Now look at this. He says, because of the present crisis, he, the Bible don't declare what that crisis is. I think, I think it's best to remain as you are. Now, you could either go back and say, well, he didn't say it was a command. He was just saying that, you know, I would trust his wisdom. But if you don't like his wisdom, you just haul off and go get married. If you're a young woman, you, you think, you think you're, 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 you're winning the closer? Okay, Paul, I heard you. I'm going to take my chances. But he said, based upon what's going on now, based upon when you make this commitment, man, all the things that's going on, it may put such a strain on you that you're going to wish you wasn't married. 
And so I'm thinking that maybe you ought to wait till the climate change before you do it. But this is just my advice. This is not a command. He says, if you have a wife in this present climate, he's not talking forever. He was just talking to them now specifically about what was going on. Because when I read the, the studies on this, some say that he was seeing the forthcoming persecution of the Romans. And because he saw that coming, he was knowing that, hey, when y'all start getting married and you got this all going on, you may not be able to keep that and go through the persecution with somebody else. It may be best for you to go through it by yourself than try to go through it with a wife that you got to worry about and all that. So don't take that burden on a husband on right now. Let's wait till this climate change. He didn't say don't ever get married. He just said, I'm just advice, wait till the climate and that'd be like you talking to your child and you looking out there and say, baby, you know, it, 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 the, you, you may not need to get married as a sophomore in college. I know you say you love it, but man, man, can you just wait till the climate? You ain't even got your, your, your 400 level classes yet. You still down there in the 200 series. You, you know, you don't know what it takes to study all that time. And now you got to entertain him too. He going to want your time. He don't care that you got, you know, microchemistry and all that coming up. He want to see you. Don't worry. So he said, look, wait till the climate change. Now, sometimes your children going to listen. That's, that's good sense. My mom will just wait till I get out of college, and if he loved me, he'll stick around. But some kids in college just haul off and get about her. No, no. I, I'm going on what you just got in an example. Even today, that we find out that most uh, the young people today that says, you know, I, I don't want to get married now, but then they end up shacking. Yeah. Where the advice is, don't get married yet. Since you don't want to get married because the climate is not right right now, stay away from 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 that decision. What you just got to explain is not it's not right right now. Yeah, but the climate we, but, ain't right. But we see today, you guys say, well, it's you know. Let's 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 live together. No, you, you, it's that's not a slippery slope. Yes, that's it. Slippery slope. And you're gonna find you're gonna end up finding. And then not only that is that waiting for that right person because he he recommend that we trying to find someone is equal to yoke. Amen. Because if you find un, unbeliever, then you're gonna like he says begin. It's gonna be pressure on you. Amen. You're going to have a lot of pressure. Amen. So, yeah, I agree with you. That goes back to the beginning of this because most people say, hey, you know, we're going to be all right. You know, I know the climate ain't right, but, but, but you know you're on fire. And you're talking about you're going to go shacking. You know, you know you're burning. <laughs> you know you're burning. So, you know, ain't no need to fool yourself, man. You ain't going to go there for two years and just hang out for two years and you ain't going to touch her. Or you ain't going to touch her. You know, you're burning. In that case, then, I think that the, 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 the advice would be, okay, if you insist that you're going to do that and I know you're going to burn, then, okay, I'm going to have to pray for you through this storm you're going to go through, but I'm going to recommend you go ahead and get married. If you're finna get that intimate with that person, then you need to do what God say and do it right. Well, that's why you ain't supposed to give up the milk. 
That, that's, that's the way the game supposed to be played. You know, that's, old, that's old wise saying from the boys in the hoods on the street. I done heard that. I heard uncle say that. Hey, man, I, I don't even get married. I'm getting everything I want for free. So that's a lady selling herself short because she thinks that I just got to have a man and a piece of man is better than nobody. No, no, no. But that happens a lot. I done heard that a lot. Well, you know, hey. And, and men think like that. Some men, not all men, not Christian men, but the worldly guys think like that. Yeah, why go through all that obligation of getting married, got the legal paperwork, the legal hassle? If I'm, you know, she let me do what I want to do without getting married. And so that's the kind of counsel. We have to counsel people and don't say, well, hey, you're selling yourself short. You're not, you're not living to your fullest potential as a child of God when you allow your temple to be abused like that. Just make sure that this lady said it's vice versa too. Oh, okay. Equal opportunity. Brother Herb it's said. It's vice versa too. Brother Herb said we live in the 2023 and it ain't just the brothers out there. You saying too. Come on. I, you're right, brother. And, and I'm glad you brought that because I was talking to a brother on Sunday after the message on Sunday. He came up to me and he said, Pastor, you got to make that thing go both ways because I, I got a homeboy on a college campus right now and they outnumbered, you know, X number to one. And they're coming at me hard because there's a shortage of men on campus and they're and they, and they coming at me hard. So, so you're right, Brother Herb. That, is, that, is, that does play out like that. So uh, I understand. Okay, let me, let me read on. He said, now, let me say, but if you do get married, it is not a sin. If you decide not to listen to what I'm telling you, it's not a sin if you decide to get married. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you of those problems. But if you want to just take them on anyway, it's not a sin for you to disobey what I'm saying right now. Do it God's way, go and get married. So he wasn't trying to stop him, but he's just trying to give him some wise counsel. And sometimes the people that you speak to on these matters, some are going to listen to you, some are going to do what they want to do. But I think it makes you feel better when you know that, hey, I did sit down and give them wise counsel. He said, let me read verse 29 real quick. He says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not, should not focus only on their marriage. Now, he didn't say, he's talking about times getting tough and you got to do God's work. He didn't say not focus on your wife. He just said you just can't focus only on her. You because of the time we're living in, the persecution may be coming, you just can't lock out on her and say, look here, baby, I ain't getting out your sight and all. You, don't focus only on your marriage. He didn't say don't focus on it, but don't focus, let that be your only focus now. You can't get so caught up in the time that we're in that you forget about God and you forget about Jesus, you forget about what he's called you to do. He says, those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping, by their joy or their possession. And all he was trying to say that, hey, look, God has blessed you with some things. And this almost goes back to what Jesus told the disciples, seek first the kingdom of God, his right, and all these things be added unto you. He said, now look, 
don't get possessed and don't let those things get to the point that they control, control you. That's what he tried to say in verse 31. He says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. So he ain't got no problem with you using your money for the right thing and you take care of you. But he said, don't get attached to it. Don't get attached to those things that you can't take with you. Use them as a tool to further the kingdom and to help people to do whatever the Lord called you to do with it. But he said, don't let that become your God. Because once you let those things, that the temporal thing become your God, then you're not going to carry out the assignment that God has given you. He says, for this world, as we know, it will soon pass away. And I, would, I just tell you some of that. You can't take it with you. It's a tool. God wants you to use it. Don't mind you having it. You don't work for it. But he said, hey, man, people get attached to their possessions to the point that those possessions become their God. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Now he's getting back to what, what his main point that, you know, he was trying to get these, these brothers and sisters to see. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Paul said, man, when you, Paul, everybody ain't cut out for that right there. <laughs> Paul keep going back to that, but I got to feel a lot of them guys in the audience were shaking their head. No. <laughs> I love the Lord. And I, <laughs> And I want to serve him, but I want a wife too. And so he's making that point to make it known to us that, yeah, marriage is an awesome responsibility, man. When you get married to somebody, you take on a lot. People take on a lot. Each one of you take on a lot. And then when you add children to the mix, it becomes even more of a responsibility. So that's why we tell people, don't enter into it lightly. Don't think this is just something I'm doing and not looking at, hey, man, this is a serious commitment I'm making, and it's going to take my time, my energy. When the kids start growing up, they're going to take away from your time and energy and all that. And then now you're going to have to manage all that in your life and still have room for God. Especially if you are called to do something and then now God is calling you to do something and your family is calling you to do something. You don't want to be put in that position where, man, God want me to do this. I got to turn God down so I can, you know, take little Johnny to soccer practice. And Paul is saying, if you were like me, you wouldn't have that problem. That was Paul. He didn't say everybody would be like that major. He just said, he just said if you were like me, that wouldn't be a problem. You, like me, you wouldn't have to be worried about being cut off, getting upset. Because you wouldn't have a wife, you ain't got no children, ain't nobody but you and the Lord and what he call you. But we realize everybody's not like Paul. Brother Purdue, get a mic, get a mic so I can make sure I hear everybody here. What about common-law marriage? You hear a lot of people say about talk about common-law marriage. Is there anything in the Bible about common-law marriage? <laughs> I don't think there's nothing in the Bible about common-law marriage. Now, but look, in the old days, it was kind of, and I don't even know if common-law marriage is still applicable today. They still recognize them. 
It, in the old days, if you lived with somebody, I think it was seven years or something like that, and you could prove that y'all was together for seven years, they considered that just common because y'all been together, y'all married. Y'all got all these kids together. Y'all just never got legally married by going down the aisle. And so the law used to call that common law marriage. Now, somebody may say, well, this is a stretch, Brother Herbert, but help me out right here. Somebody may say, well, if you and her made a covenant together, whether man give you a piece of paper to ratify, don't matter as long as you and God have ratified. You ratified with God. But because we live in a country of legal laws, when something happened to you without that legal paper from the government, they don't recognize God's covenant that y'all don't cut amongst yourselves. And so therefore, it's best for people in America, if you're going to do that, to get legal so if something happens, somebody else don't come in and take everything. And it's no different for when, when, when people connect with other folks that they never really divorced from. And, 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 the, and the wife of record is still living. And, and now, you, the person that done been with them for the last 10 years, done took care of them and did everything, but you ain't the wife of record. So when something happened to him, that wife can come back and say, hey, baby girl, my house, you got to go. Your name ain't on the D, his name is on the one on the D. I'm his next of kin. Adam paid mortgages, don't matter. You got to go. And that's why people need to know all the legal things that come along with getting married. That's why you need to make sure that you, you know what the law requires. Brother Herb, go ahead. <laughs> well, you, you've been in that situation where we know that what Tiger Woods had gotten himself in. She, she calling him out, hey, you said that I can stay in your mansion when we got together. And now they want to be, now he says, it's time for you to leave. And now he's in a position to the point where he had to go to court because she want to sue him because of that. He didn't have that piece of paper, like you said, you know. Uh, and uh, I lost my thought what I was going to say before. Oh. No more than, like you said, we're in America. And what we see today, what you just got you saying, you don't have that piece of paper when, you know, when that, your, part, your partner dies. We're talking about homosexual when they have same sex. They don't have no legal bounds or whatever they got together, of that, that communion together when they state that. And that's how they was asking for a legal to be married. Mm -hmm. So they fighting for what you just guys just saying when you when you talk about common law or uh, being together. So they fighting for what to America for constitution right for their rights to be able to say, hey, we are married. Yeah, but yeah. but that's my partner. I, I want his retirement. Yeah, I want the government we to keep it. I've been with him for twenty years, yeah. so recognize this union. Recognize me. So what that you I can just get, got just in, in America. Yeah, yeah that, that's a big argument. There. So yeah, that's a big argument to point and point. But then. Uh, Everything what you got to saying trumps this this same sex thing. When when Paul said when husband and wife, he didn't say husband husband or wife wife. So that law is don't 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 hunt. Hmm. 
in God's kingdom. In, in God's, God's kingdom. kingdom. Yeah, yeah. In America, in certain states, it hunts. But but God's kingdom, it you know, he he never kind of blessed that. But that's that's a whole nother subject there. But yeah. And I was gonna say, depending on if you're a Christian or not, but if you're not a Christian and a non-believer, you probably are going by what the law says. And then as a Christian, some laws we have to abide by just for the sake of that we're Amen. living in this land. But I was going to comment on the common law. I think that's state by state. It just depends on, and someone sent me a comment that said, a comment that says um, in Florida, common law is not recognized. Mm. And so depending on what state you live in, whether they recognize that or not, you know, so you could have been living there for all that time and you're not, yeah. Amen. 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 I think I, I, I'm from Alabama, and I used to hear that all the time, you know. You know, I married, I married with Ben and Uncle Joe for, for 20 years. We just assumed they were married. <laughs> they got six kids, and we just assumed they were married. And then so, yeah, they, well, they, yeah they, and everybody said, yeah, they common law. Okay. So if the state acknowledged that, then they married. Go ahead. Turn, turn the uh, mic on again, Mr. Okay, got it. Okay, the common law married if she, if the man, like you just said, if the man had been with the woman for like ten years or so, and uh, they had maybe had one or two children, and that, uh, and the wife come in later, wouldn't uh, would a court uh, determine the one that's with the children and the common law wife? They wouldn't take that in consideration. You know that's a legal thing. You know that, that, that you know I, I don't, that, that's a legal matter, and each, you know and I don't know what the court system would do in a situation like that, and that's why people go to court to get those matters weighed out. You know, it wouldn't be up to the judge. What I'm saying, it, yeah, I mean, if, if you're saying that that we don't have a clear agreement, then it's going to end up in the court system, and whatever the laws of that state is pertaining to that, that's probably how it's going to play out. However, that judge rule on that. Let me read on so I can go ahead and finish this. He said, now look, uh, he says, uh, so in verse 35, he says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord's best with as few distractions as possible. So he's saying, look, you know, if you really want to get married with all the stuff I say is coming and going on and how it's going to take away from your devotion to the Lord, I'm not trying to restrict you, Major. that it's going to keep you from being able to devote, to devote more of yourself to the Lord. So now you got to find that balance and how do I faithfully serve the Lord, take care of my family, and I think God has no problem with that because obviously he didn't want everybody to be like Paul. Paul was just so stuck in his position that if it was up to him, everybody would kind of be like him. And he said that earlier, I wish everybody would be like me, but everybody's not like him. And so therefore, those of us who, who are married, been married, got children and all that, we have to learn how to work our way around those distractions. You know, we got to work our way around them because they will come up. And you have to, you know, it's a different, you know, even in striving. I look back at this ministry when we started years ago, and a lot of our young couples, you know, everybody was gun ho I mean, we called a meeting, everybody showed up, everybody showed up, it was like, yeah, we gun ho Well, then when they started having babies, that gun ho 
that gun hole left. I'm still thinking that gun hole. But now they say, well, now, you know, uh, such and such got soccer practice now. What? But just train tonight. I, we had agreed. We're going to train. But that was when I didn't have a dis distraction. I got a distraction now. So if I can't work around that schedule, then that person's going to say, for this season, until they get up on their own and, and they don't need me to drive them around, I'm not going to be as gun ho for the Lord. I'm going to give you what I can, but I'm not going to be as gun ho like somebody who ain't got children. And that's the, the, the situation that we have in ministry when people at different walks in their life, and that's why let, he made the point earlier that it's best, your best time to serve the Lord is when you're young and single. That's the best time because he can, he can get all your time. That's not, shouldn't be that many distractors. But as you get, you know, get older, get married, get children, then now you got to kind of balance all that out and still serve the Lord because he still wants us to serve him. And, and, and serving the Lord as a husband or wife should not really detract from your family. I think God understands that. And I think if we do it his way, it could be a win-win for both parties. The kids ought to be, and the wife or the husband ought to be blessed because of the relationship that you have with the Lord, the marriage ought to function a whole lot better. And now we just got to navigate and manage all the other things that is on the plate, realizing that God still got to get his time. You, you got to sanctify some time for him, and, and uh, as well as the things you got to do for your family. Brother Herb? Yeah, just going along with what you just said, if, uh, since we is in this Bible study about with Miles Monroe is talking about the power and the purpose of man, if you kind of look at what he is trying to establish is that that responsibility, that a lot of it is tated onto a, a married man. If, if you really look at what he's uh, describing and as a purpose as a, uh, as a man, he's really talking about a married man's responsibility that you got to take on, especially when he comes out, you got to you know, be a teacher and a cultivator. Amen. We're gonna talk about being a provider and a protector to what? You know what I'm saying? So it's really leaning pretty much on, uh, on these responsibility as when getting married, like what, what he's design it is. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Verse 36, we're going to get ready to wrap this up. He says, now verse 36, but if a man think that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, going back to burning, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he decides firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passions, he does well not to marry. Paul, say, look, Paul is saying, look, you don't have a commitment. You ain't promised yourself to somebody. Your mom and dad ain't pledged you to them. And if there is no urgency, hold off and serve the Lord, especially if you can control your passion. But if your passion is out of control, then you're going back to what he said earlier. It's better to marry than to burn. Adrian, were you going to say something? No, I, was just, I think I was getting ahead of you. So if, you're, if the man can control that, he, in verse 38, the person who marries his fiance does well, and the person who doesn't marry that's even better in, in um, Paul's eyes. That, that, and that's coming up next, as we said. Paul said, now, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiance does well. Paul said, okay, I'm a, you getting married to your fiance, that's a good thing. 
but the person who does not marry does even better. Paul going back to the fact that I wish everybody was like me because now you ain't got them distractions. You do better because you can serve the Lord better. That's just Paul talking. Now, that ain't no command there. He, he just said his opinion. If you were by yourself, you could serve the Lord better because you wouldn't have soccer practice. You know, you wouldn't have to go home and meet her needs. You'd be focusing on the Lord and the thing he called you to do in your job. Go ahead, get a mic, Major. Sister Adrian, go ahead. Hold your thoughts. I, I think uh, society has, we got it backwards. We should be, I think Paul's saying, well, commit to the Lord first. And then all those other things should happen afterwards, marriage and all those things. Now you've already committed to the Lord, but once you commit to marriage and, and the soccer practice and all those things, now you're trying to fit God into all of that. Exactly right. As opposed, as opposed to committing to God first, and then when you bring your family in, you're already committed to God. You continue to do those things. Now, okay, you're still committing to God, but now your family, and it's not the only thing. Your family's not only because you're committed to God. Amen. Amen. Sister Adrian? I was kind of going to say, yeah, once you're committed to God and you have that relationship with God and then you have a family, now your family really does become your ministry because you are raising children and doing all of those things unto God in a, in a godly manner and hopefully training your children up to, to know, you know, to have that relationship with God. And Amen. so I, I know Paul, well, I know what Paul's saying, he, you know, that's Paul, but uh, for the people that you know what I mean? That you do marry. You raise your family unto the Lord. And everything you do, you do unto God. And so, I guess, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that even better. <laughs> but, Pastor, didn't Jesus do his first miracle at a wedding? Yeah, he did. So, he, God ain't got no problem with marriage. He ain't got no problem with marriage. Paul just said, this is Paul talking now. <laughs> Paul said, man, I'm so devoted to God and the assignment that he gave me. Man, when I see how this thing works, I wish everybody was like me. But I realize everybody's not going to be like me, so therefore, he's not saying it. it's, it's not a sin to marry. That's what he said. But her? Oh, we, we get a, a, well, I got a clear picture what it looks like when you, uh, you're doing God's business, and, and it, it came through down to, uh, uh, to Moses. His father-in-law came to uh, and, and, and brought his family, his wife and his, and his son, to him. And, and Moses gave all this information that, look what we've been doing, look what I've been doing. And then he observed all what, what Moses was doing. He said, oh, my goodness. You ain't got no time doing all this for the Lord, and you don't even have time for your children and your family. He got reprimand. And you need to, you know, tighten up here, bro. You need to distribute some of this, this duties out. So I'm just saying, he, Moses was, hey, look what I've been doing for the Lord. But you forgot your family. Yeah. You forgot your family, bro. You need, to, <laughs> you need to tighten up. That's all I'm just saying. Yeah. It does. When you, not, when you are not, if you are married, it, they kind of, and I understand one of the things that happened to me was, one of the things that um, uh, the pastor came to ask me uh, about being a, a deacon, and one of the things he told me, pray about it and talk to your family. 
Amen. Before you make a decision, you bring it to your family. And at that time, I had was married and three little kids. I had three kids. So I had to talk to my family. Hey, um, pray about this, and I will be, you know, joining and being the leadership of being a deacon. So understanding that it's going to take away of the duties that uh, for the Lord. So. Amen. 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 Well, let me read verse 39 and 40 so we can get out of here on time. He says, look, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, and that vice versa. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. So now he's saying, look, if your husband dies, when you go out there and remarry, don't go and get no roughneck. Find somebody that loves the Lord. That's what he said. That's the instruction. But only if he loves the A lot of times we even ask that question. He loves me, but do he love the Lord? We asked that too late. <laughs> this Paul, Paul said, look, Paul said, but, but that's a good question. I, I don't fault Paul right there. I think if you was telling your children right now, I would tell my daughter, man, try to marry somebody saved. Take your chances with someone who loved the Lord. Then to go out there and marry, you know, like the guy like Lee was talking about, you know, you know he's slanging. I mean, I, <laughs> take a chance with the guy in church that's trying to live right. Don't. <laughs> Let me finish this. Yeah, yeah. But this, this is good. This is good. So, but in my opinion, Paul keep going back, man, but Paul was hard on this thing. But in my opinion, he said, my opinion, Major, this ain't it. It would be better, Adrian, for her to stay single. And I think I am going, I am giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. He said, it's my opinion, but I feel so strong about this opinion, I believe the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, you know. <laughs> but, but now you can, that, when he, if he presented like that, you might say, man, he, he, well, I know he know the Lord, maybe he know what he's talking about. But you, you may have to come back and say, well, well Paul, I, the Spirit didn't tell me that. <laughs> he may have told you that, but that's what he told me, since you said it's your opinion. But, but again, this, is, this, is, this, is, this was a tough situation in Corinth, man, because of all the people that was there, the cultures that was there, and, and, and this thing had worked itself into the church. And you would think that you wouldn't have to ask these and answer these type questions in the church. But today, some of these same things are, are still creeping up in the church, and they need to be addressed. They need to be dealt with. And people need to know what the Word of God say in those situations. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your participation tonight. Again, good lesson. Amen. Amen.